Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Business of Esports podcast, the official podcast of esports. We explore the intersection of business and esports, one of the fastest growing industries in the world and the future of fun. Please welcome your host, Paul, the esports prophet, Dawalibi. The Business of Esports podcast begins now. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the Business of Esports podcast. I am Paul Dewalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of esports. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, Thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. Thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends, your family, your colleagues. If you haven't done any of those things, go leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, maybe even go subscribe to our sister podcasts, uh, Meta Business and Meta Woman. If you haven't checked those out yet, they're really great. It's a lot of like business of esports, but focused on the metaverse. Um, and, uh, and go buy some great business of esports merch. I never, I never pushed the merch, Jimmy, there you go. But I saw the hoodie business of esports.shop guys, or you can find the link from the business of esports.com, uh, which I know many of, you know, the website, Jimmy, how's it going? How are you doing this week? Paul, long time no see. <laughs> <laughs> We've only been recording content all day, so you can't, you can't, you can't tear this wall down. The, the audience has to be, you know. They they have to believe in the magic of, you know, what it's not it's not television, but you know, the magic of content production here. 
you know, rec- recording content all day and a five hour phone call last night and, 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 uh, and, uh, you know, business as usual otherwise. So it's been good. It's all good stuff. And you know, kind of in that light actually, and maybe a controversial topic, I was watching a documentary on Kanye West on Netflix. That's a three part series. that's getting released. And okay. he had the foresight in like 1995 and through 2006 when his first album launched where he had, uh, a well-known TV personality that followed him around just recording everything because he knew he was going to be big one day, or maybe that, that, (laughs) uh, that videographer knew that Kanye was onto something. And so all this amazing content before he ever had a deal signed. And I just thought how remarkable, because we're obviously in the content business. Uh, we record as much as we can and we think, how can we repurpose content and create more and grow more? And I just thought, you know, for, for such a controversial figure and a visionary, he really had, I think, that kind of, uh, like I said, advanced kind of planning and knowledge that, hey, I need to, I need to capture this because I'm going to use it someday. You know, Jimmy, are you suggesting we need to get a camera crew to follow you around? Is this what I'm hearing? Is it? Is this uh, well, the, each of like, us are you, really. Are you lobbying <laughs> for this officially? <laughs> a, a camera crew, a driver, uh, someone to taste my <laughs> All food. All business expenses, right? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, look, a more mod, like a, a more recent version, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's a big proponent of this. Like, I don't think he knows much about the gaming space, so I don't know how relevant that is here, but like, he's a big believer in like document everything you're doing. Um, me personally, you know, what I always found fun is every business I built, every business startup I was involved with. I always think it's fun to take like the picture of the group, the small group when you're sort of still in the shitty little office. Um, you know, in the early days, I, I think you go back and look at those pictures fondly, especially obviously if the business is uh, a big success, it's fun to go back and look at those pictures. So it may seem weird and awkward because I do do that. Sometimes I'll take a picture of the whole team in the office or whatever. Um, but, uh, they're fun to look back on when, you know, you're 200 or 300 people. Also fun to know that thanks to to you and, and you know our team, we actually have quite a nice office in, in New York as well. <laughs> so probably not co- comparable to some of your other projects that I know did well, but but that's actually a cool story. Um, you know, Jimmy, we have an amazing, uh, an amazing, absolutely amazing guest this week. Um, I feel like uh, we only get better and better on this podcast, and I hope you know, I genuinely hope that our viewers appreciate the kind of the variety that we bring them, because I think there's a lot of effort here to bring different viewpoints, different perspectives of gaming and esports. Cause it's not, it can be, it can be a little bit of an echo chamber. I know you and I have talked about that and, and talked about it publicly. Um, but we have today very special guest. We have Eric Hartness, who is the vice president of years of esports at Learfield. Um, Eric, welcome to the business of esports podcast. Hi guys. Thanks for having me on. Eric, for, for our viewers who maybe don't know much about you, uh, would love for you to give them a bit of your background, how you got into gaming, why you got into gaming, uh, you know, the interest in esports, uh, what Learfield does and, and what you're focused on there. Um, some of the Eric story in the Learfield, Learfield story, if you don't mind. Well, that's, I, I, I'm an old G, so that could, t- that could <laughs> take quite a bit of time. I've been in this business for over 20 years now. I never thought I'd say that, but, uh, it has been a while. Um, I got into, into the gaming business uh, back in 2000 with EA as uh, I was their director of database marketing back then, back when, uh, the internet was just happening. We were building, uh, websites. We were creating uh, newsletters for our, 
for our fans and, uh, you know, helping the studios do those things. So it was, it was quite an interesting time back then. And, um, it was a, uh, it was called EA.com is what I joined. And, you know, I lasted throughout that after, after EA.com went away and, uh, you know, became the vice president of marketing at the Redwood Shore studio and worked on titles like dead space, Godfather, the Simpsons, Tiger Woods, Wii golf, you know, when the <laughs> Wii first came out and, uh, you know, a lot of fun things like that. Um, I was also, and this kind of leads into esports eventually, but I, I was around when the consoles, you know, went wired, you know, that's what we called it back then. Uh, and, and you could suddenly play online and there was digital content that you could download and, uh, virtual currencies. So I, I also worked on Ultima online, all the online products, games at, at EA, I was involved with the Sims online, Ultima online, earth and beyond, you know, you name it, you know, my marketing team worked on those things. So we were kind of, we kind of knew that business when, when Xbox and, and Sony went online too, and we helped the studios understand how to generate content for those. And, you know, also helped from a marketing perspective to help get people engaged with those, with those titles and, and that kind of content. And, you know, I was there for nine years and I worked at a few startups. I worked at Amazon game studios and that's where I got mm. turned on to Twitch when, when Twitch first came on board and, and well, not when it first came on board, when Amazon acquired them in 2014, um, that's when I first found out about them, you know, and started, uh, getting engaged with them. And that's when I first started learning about esports as well, because after I left the Amazon game studios, I went to Bandai Namco and, um, uh, that's where I got involved in esports, you know, coupled with what I, my learnings from Twitch and Ultima online and, and everything that we had done at EA, it kind of culminated at Bandai with Tekken, Dragon Ball fighters and soul caliber. Um, I met Harada-san, who's the godfather of Tekken, at San Diego Comic-Con. You know, we were having a cocktail out, out outside, taking a break from the floor and, uh, you know, talking about, you know, his vision for Tekken in the U.S. and, and how it could be an esports title. And I was really, you know, uh, uh, taken by that and, 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 you know, agreed almost right then and there to help him do that in, in the United States. So... Uh, one of the product, I was vice president of marketing at Bandai, one of the product, the product manager for uh, uh, Mark Religioso, the product manager for Tekken at the time, he and I kind of banded together and, and set out to find out about the, the FGC, the fighting game community in the States. And it was, it was a great ride. I met so many wonderful people and uh, that, that, that community is so passionate. And we, we basically, you know, took these, took the, the tech and box. We had to buy arcade boards from Japan because <laughs> Tekken seven wasn't out yet. And we had to ship these things, you know, by boat to the States and then ship them to all of the FGC tournament events. And we had to have 10 of these things They were heavy, you know, these are arcade boards and, and we, uh, you know, got some people to help us. Uh, Mark man, Mark Julio, uh, Mark Mann, as he's known in the FGC, and um, Rick and several other people helped us helped us do this. 
but we went to all the local fighting game communities, you know, made friends with everybody, learned what the community wanted. And so we were prepared when Tekken came out and, uh, you know, fast forward, we created the Tekken world tour with the international finals here in the States. And then one year we had it in Sweden. The next year was in Singapore. And that's really where I got passionate about it. Right. And, and I thought, uh, you know, where can we take this and where can we go from, from there? Um, and that's what led me to Learfield because I thought, I think that the college esports thing, esports scene is the, um, you know, next great frontier of esports. We got we've, the pro scene is, you know, pretty well locked down. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more growth in there and it's going to expand tremendously, but the publishers and the pros have a, a pretty good system down and, and the college scene is really fragmented and uh, open for somebody like Learfield, I thought, think, believe, to come in and, and help create a better esports environment for all of the players and, um, and all of the companies involved in it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GamePresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GamePresents. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Um. Eric, could you talk to Learfield specifically, like historically, what is, what is the expertise there and, and what was, 
you know, what was the impetus for them to get into esports? Was it you? Was it, you know, were they already doing it before you got there? Uh, yeah, 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 I get it. So they were doing it. Learfield was already involved um, with esports. You know, it's kind of started uh, a little bit pre-pandemic, but the pandemic really helped spur it on. You know, they they are um, Learfield has the multimedia rights and partnerships with over 175 schools. So they they and they've been in college athletics for you know decades. Um, they also run the the uh, the Learfield Radio Network. You know, over 170 broadcast stations, and and if you would listen to uh, football, basketball, baseball, you know, any collegiate sports, there's a good chance that you're listening to it on a Learfield network. They also have all the um, you know brand sponsorships. You know, if you you know, Allstate puts up the nets behind the goalposts, that comes through Learfield. Uh, Learfield has a ticketing company called Pacquiolan. The CLC, the college licensing company is a Learfield company. Learfield owns Sidearm, which, which builds and maintains over 1,300 college athletic websites. We also mm-hmm. manage a lot of the college uh, social media channels. So we have a rich, deep history of integration and knowledge with college athletics. In fact, we have um, peop- Learfield people are co-located in the college athletic offices. So, for example, the University of Arkansas, which is one of the one of our partners, uh, there's ten people co-located in the athletic department. So we have mm-hmm. you know really close ties with the athletic departments as well. So that the idea is, hey, take our traditional knowledge of our, our extensive knowledge of traditional college sports and extend that to the esports platform. Um, that's and that's one of the reasons why too. You might ask later why we started with Madden, <laughs> but that was uh, that was what there. There's a reason in there. Um, so so that's one of the reasons I joined because of their their partnership with all the schools and with all the brands and the beginnings of the publisher partnerships that that we've developed um, before and and since I've been here. And in fact, yeah. back to my Twitch story. So yeah. one of my first partners at Twitch when I was at at, at Bandai Namco because we partnered with Twitch to create the Tekken World Tour, uh, he actually was working with Learfield and introduced me to them to come lead their eSports initiative. So kind of, you know, the, the game industry, as you all know, and we all know is, is pretty small and pretty close. But, um, you know, my, my industry connections through Twitch is how I landed, one of the reasons how I landed at, at Learfield. I mean, Eric, you, you sort of led me to the, to the sort of the next question I had, which is why, like, why start with Madden? Now, let me ask you that, but let me connect it to sort of the broader question I was curious about, which is how much of the traditional sports, college sports knowledge translates to like giving Learfield an advantage from a college esports perspective. And let me sort of go a little bit deeper with the question, which is you mentioned esports being fragmented, right? College esports being fragmented. Would you say Learfield is like especially well positioned to tackle that because of the college traditional sports experience? Like, does it does it translate well? Um, I don't know if you can provide any color there. Yeah, um, I believe it does translate there. I'll start with Madden first. Um, you know, Madden is a sports sim, obviously, and so. Um, the thinking and, and the and and the reality is that uh, the athletic departments 
as well as the schools themselves. And um, importantly, the school's fans could relate to a sports sim much more so than they could relate to other types of games. And so, you know, what I run into a lot here in talking to the esports programs at the at the campus, they say, you know, Madden's not an esport. You know, what are you talking about? You know, why aren't we doing Call of Duty? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing, you know, League of Legends? But um, the, the reality is because we thought that that would Madden and the sports sims, you know, the closest thing to the tr- traditional sports that we're associated with, with the athletic departments would help us ease in, you know, to the space of the college space and leverage those deep partnerships that we have with the schools. Eric, why do you, why do you think schools are like, I think something we hear on the podcast a lot is working with colleges or high schools, but in your, like, this is obviously most relevant to you in the college context. There's a lot of discussion around them being difficult customers or a tough nut to crack, right? There's, uh, like you said, it's still a fragmented market. Why do you think that the college market has been tough for anyone to sort of totally dominate today? Um, and, and, and second part of the question is, where do you think the NCAA plays into this, if at all? Yeah, I think, well, one of the reasons it's, it's, tough to crack, I think is because it's, it's such a large industry. I mean, the call, there's over, you know, 3000 colleges in the U S right. And, and they, they had different statures, different focus, different, you know, organizations. Um, you know, so it's, it, that's one of the, one of the challenges, but with, with Learfield and our partnership. So we have the official athletic marks. I think that's part of the fragmentation too, is because a lot of, companies have come in and they don't have publisher agreements and they're going into something like the, you know, college space that has a lot of eyes on it. Right. You know, having a, uh, a community event, uh, you know, with a, you know, hundreds of people participating is a lot different than having something at the university of Texas or the university of Alabama or the university of, um, of, you know, Ohio state university, you know, those places that have a lot more eyes on them. And, and it's also the, the marks, you know, the colleges are very protective of their marks, you know, the, the Texas Longhorns and the, you know, the Arkansas Razorback and the uh, Crimson Tide, you know, Elephant and all of those logos are, are part of college athletics. And so they're very protective of those and what can use those. And that's one of the things that Learfield brings to the table is that we, with, with our association with over 175 schools, those marks are what we help bring to the table to make these official athletic events that the fans can recognize, that the schools can support, and that the brands can get behind, as well as the publishers. So we have you know publisher partnerships for Madden um, and for Rocket League, and we're going to announce more soon. Um, let me touch on the publishers quickly then. Uh, do you think, you know, as Learfield in the college esports space becomes more and more successful, more and more traction, right? More schools, more tournaments, more games, all the like, right? More of everything. At some point, do you become a threat to the publishers? Like, do they start seeing you potentially as the enemy where, you know, they're maybe leaving dollars on the table by having you guys, you know, being the, 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 you know, the do, sort of the dominant force in the college esports scene. 
and I asked this because in the, you know, the pro scene, a lot of the publishers uh, own their own esports leagues, right? Like it's not, it's not outsourced to someone else. It's organized by the publisher. It's tightly controlled by the publisher at some, like at some point, do they see you as a threat or do they see you today as just like a, a, a gift from heaven, right? Like that you're taking sort of this, the complication of the college esports space sort of out of their hands and build something in building something interesting out of it. Yeah. No one's ever seen me as a gift from heaven. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, Like the publishers hold so much power, right? Yeah, in esports the publishers and, do and, have power and, and, um, and, and uh, they do. And, you know, there could be a threat later on, you know, we could, it works both ways, right? You know, business, business happens. Um, but right now we're, they, we are seeing, you know, we're complimenting each other very well on the, on the publisher side. You know, we respect their IP cause we're in the IP business too. You know, yeah. we respect their IP. They respect ours. Um, they do spend a lot of time in the pro space and they, they've under, they understand now how hard it is and how much investment <laughs> it requires. And so they, we are Learfield is investing, you know, big money in, into this, um, in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of the promotion, in terms of the prize pools. And so the publishers like that too, because we're, we're complementing their investment and we're bringing the school marks to it. So they're creating official, you know, collegiate national championships, which brings awareness and more players, you know, for their, um, games and even to a new, you know, broader audience, the college, the, the historical college sports fans. So it's very complimentary right now. And, and we're having very good conversations and agreements with, with several pub- publishers, but yeah, you know, I, I, I can't tell the future and, you know, who knows what, what will happen later on. Like Learfield obviously drives revenue from, you know, the college esports space. Do the publishers look like, and I know it's probably not, can't be generalized across the board, but are, do most of the publishers look at the college esports space as, you know, a great marketing opportunity to bring their games to more fans? Um, or are they looking at the college esports space and thinking, you know, we really need to drive revenue to the bottom line here, right? Like that this is, this no, has I to be a revenue driver. I think it's more about, you know, more fans, creating more fans. You know, it's, I, I sat in the publisher side before, right? You know, I mean, I was, yeah. you know, leading, uh, you know, the tech and esports and Soul Calibur and Dragon Ball Fighters for Bandai Namco. And we were always, at least there and a lot of other marketing people I've talked to, it's more about, generating, um, you know, fandom for the title and for the mm-hmm. franchise and, and building, making the community stronger because, you know, I mean, we all do that because, you know, later on, it, you know, the bigger your community, the more the play, you know, the more digital goods they'll buy, the more, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's good for the business. It's good for the community. Um, so there's always from companies, there's always dollars associated at the end but they see it, I believe in building their community and fan base, which will lead to more game sales down the road. I kind of want to pick at that a little bit, Eric, and I didn't want to throw you off Paul, but, but this is kind of, I have so many questions about your early work history. And I see this really tying into that. Well, you know, I can't recall a guest that we've had at least in recent memory with, uh, with 
with quite the work history you have in, in doing this for so long at such a high level, I wanted to particularly take that, what you just shared, uh, you know, about growing awareness and community around these titles, applying it towards your time specifically at EA. Because, uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners on the show that are, are businesses uh, at varying, varying levels of, of their life cycle. And, you know, what, what comes fundamentally, I think, or naturally to you isn't always well known, especially to myself, you know, so, um, you know, for starters, I was curious, you know, some, some tried and true methods of marketing that you employed at EA on some of those early titles that remain consistent with your efforts today, as well as things that you noticed that have changed and what those trends are as far as a successful marketing campaign to grow that audience, to grow that fandom in that community. Um, and of course, if there's any differences between uh, the college audience and supporting, uh, you know, those communities versus, I, I think, the larger, uh, the larger demographic. Well, that, that's a lot to unpack there, Jimmy. It's loaded. It's loaded. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please do your best. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, from a, from a marketing perspective, um, community has, all, you know, I learned about community in Ultima Online and it's, uh, you know, community managers that it, they've come a long way, right? They used to be in, uh, God, what did you call those little chat rooms or, um, not chat rooms. Anyway, but there were, you know, the, and I remember, you know, and I was director of marketing at that point and, uh, you know, going to Austin, going to the, uh, origin studio there and, and talking about at that time, community managers worked on the dev team and, you know, we community didn't want any marketing people talking to their community, you know, cause they, we were the, we were the slimy marketing people. Right. And, you know, I, remember I was teaching, you know, Hey, we're going to send a newsletter. We're going to create a newsletter, an email newsletter. Send why would we do that? Anyway, it's, you know, but fi we finally overcame all that. And, and so, no, I want to, you know, we, we want to give more information to them and learn about the community, how we can build this, how we can make the games better, how we can grow the community. Anyway, because the lifeblood at OU the, uh, and UO at that time was getting more people to play it. Right. You know, people online needed more people to play. And so we're like, we're going to help you get more people in to grow your community. You just got to help us. But you know, that's, that, that is always stay true, but it's gotten bigger and better with more, you know, the, you know, the, it, it sounds just so silly now, but you know, with the internet, you know, how everybody's wired, everybody's got cell phones, everybody's, you know, connected. Um, it wasn't like that, but it's, it's those, that technology and the gamer passion I've seen, uh, just grow tremendously from that, from that standpoint. And we still focus on community. We just do it in different methods. You know, when I started, there wasn't Facebook. I remember when Facebook first, you know, came on online and, and, and trying to figure out how to use, you know, Facebook to grow our Godfather community back then. And there's just, it's a lot of the things stay the same. It's just different techniques to communicate with your customers, you know, being authentic with them and understanding uh, what they need and, and trying to fulfill those needs um, is, is one of the things that I've seen consistent, you know, in, in the time that I've been in the, in the game industry. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. So, so growing and leveraging community, you know, this is a, an awesome topic that the Paul and I talk about quite a bit, and I wanted to tie it into a question that we've had come up on the show and, and, and topics that we've discussed with certain news releases. I think it also ties in a bit to your time with Amazon Game Studios, because, you know, one of the surest ways, or at least a common way that we see people leveraging communities of others is through affiliate marketing finding these popular streamers, these content creators and saying, Hey, pay my game or play my game exclusively for a number of weeks or, you know, wh whatever the term length may be. And we, we've debated at length, I think on this show, that type of marketing vehicle or, or initiative. I, I want to get your take on that, what you've seen, if that's successful or not. Um, I just, I, I feel like your insight here would settle that debate for a lot of us. And I'm curious. I, I, it won't settle the debate, but I'm glad you brought that <laughs> up, Jimmy, because I, I meant that I lost that thought. That was one of my thought, a story, another story I was going to share as I was rambling on about community. Um, my first influencer campaign, okay? Um, and we've gotten way off topic from these. Did, did they even call it? Really, was it even called an influencer no, campaign no, at the time? No, no, no. no. <laughs> but this, I, I, I've, I've shared this story before, you know, at the, at the conferences, you know, in the bars and stuff like that, you know, talking about the old days and things, but, but, um, uh, uh, 
Dead Space. So Dead Space was, you know, the first horror game for for EA. And uh, Glenn Schofield was the executive producer on it, you know, and I was the vice president of marketing on it. And we were, we were partners on this. You know, it was all Glenn's idea. I had nothing to do with it. It was all Glenn's idea. I was just the marketing guy. Um, and it, I had a whole team under, you know, we had a whole team. I'm just, uh, I, I'm saying I'm the marketing guy, but it was a marketing team. Um, great team, by the way, too. I still am in contact with a lot of them and, and Glenn sometimes great as well. Also. Yeah. Thank you. They, they made a fantastic game. But so we we're trying to like, how are we going to, you know, we're, we've never marketed to horror people before. We didn't know anything about the industry. How are we going to get this horror game that Glenn and his, and his incredible team developed and, and get people to buy it? You know, it's like, and someone on the team, God, it might've been Andrew. Who was the guy? Someone said, well, we got to go out after, you know, the horror fans. And we, we went out, to, we went to resident, we found resident evil, you know, a resident evil community. We were at, we reached out to some of those, you know, fan clubs and we, and we reached out to horror magazine fan club, you know, just anything we could find. And we brought them to EA. We had to convince, you know, the execs that we were going to spend money to bring these people to EA and get their feedback on the game. And it was like the resident evil guys were like, we like resident evil. And, I, and we're like, but yeah, we know that we love resident evil too. <laughs> we want to, we want to make a, a, another horror game and we want your input on it. And so we brought them for like a weekend to EA and, you know, played games with them, hung out with them, gave them, um, watch horror movies with them and gave them, you know, like early glimpses into the game and kind of had focus groups with them and got their feedback. And then they went back and posted on their, you know, on their websites or their chat boards or wherever they, you know, this was, you know, a long time ago. And that was my, that was our first kind of four-way, foray into influencer marketing, you know, without really... Eric, it's such a great story, but it, it hits, I'm, I'm laughing to myself because it hits so close to home. And, and I have a question at the end of this, but I'm going to tell my own story here. Um, Ultima Online was a great game. And if you remember, they announced not really a sequel, but Ultima X, right? It was sort of going to be the next big yeah. MMO. Um, I was gone by then. But but I thought what was interesting is um, at the time when Ultima X was announced, uh, I was a huge EverQuest player, right? Which was the competing MMO. My yeah. dad was a huge EverQuest player. In fact, was the leader of essentially one of the biggest guilds in EverQuest. And what EA did was they invited him all expenses paid to San Francisco to get a sneak peek at the new Ultima game. And he, my dad was like a very senior executive at IBM at the time. He didn't have time to actually go on this trip uh, to get a sneak peek at the game. So my brother and I went in his place. Awesome. Um, and so we, we got this free trip to San Francisco. EA, you know, gave everyone a just really cool sneak peek at the game. And there was a whole bunch of people from other games, mostly like influencers call it, although I didn't think I was an influencer at the time from people who played the other games. I thought that was so genius. Like this stuck in my head forever. I will always remember this. It's weird because I feel like even though game companies, developers activate influencers on Twitch, some of that like hands-on community 
it's a little bit of like guerrilla marketing at a, a very kind of ground level has doesn't exist anymore. And, I, and, and maybe you, you say, you, you tell me I'm totally wrong. And you know, the, the, the influencer marketing, the game companies do on Twitch is the same now, but I'm curious, like as someone who's had so many years of experience in the industry, what are some of these big changes that you've seen for better or for worse? Yeah, that that's a great story, Paul. I'd love to I, I would be, offline. We've got to figure out when that was. I, and, and, you know, heck, I might have been there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, what is change? I mean, that's that's changed a lot. Just, you know, we also used to use magazines, right? You know, yeah, well, and, yeah. and, and there used to be a great you know, portfolio of magazines out there that we'd love to get on the cover of, you know, we always strive to get, get the game on the cover of the magazine. Um, I personally like the influencer. I don't like with Bandai. We didn't really, I I don't like the paid. uh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. (laughs) uh, I, I, I think the influencer is great. I think the, um, the channels that we have are great because that's what our fans are using. Right. You know I mean? It's obviously effective, right? There's no yeah. question the, of the effectiveness. Everyone watches Twitch. If shroud is playing game X, Y, Z, no question. I'm going to go download it. I, I guess is this, have we reached peak game marketing? Like I've asked this question to a whole bunch of people who've come on the podcast and there's no one like you who has had, 20 years and seen sort of the evolution of games marketing the same way you have. Uh, and I'm just curious where you think we end up with this, right? Is it just influencers now and you got to get every big influencer to play your game on Twitch or is there some other path? Is there some next level that, you know, we don't know about yet? We're, or we're we haven't seeking seen yet? that next level. <laughs> no, they are. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. If I did, I would go into the consulting business. You know, and, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, but I know it's, I, I know it's a challenge and it's, it, 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 we're already thinking, how do you break through the, the influencers, right? Cause there's so many of them now. And there's, there's the micro influencer strategy where you get hundreds of, of smaller ones and, to, to do it because you can't just get the big giant one anymore or do you throw money at everybody? And I, it's, it, it's tough on the, on that. And I, I don't know what the silver bullet is. Um, and I think the, I think the companies who have the big war chests will continue to use the big ones and, and, and other scrappy ones will try to figure out how to come around the side. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough business. Are there other big trends that you've seen over the last 20 years? Like, again, good or bad, big changes you've seen in the industry. And it can be generalized to gaming, not just esports specifically, obviously. Well, I mean, the obvious one, I mean, the whole, you know, move to digital, right? I mean, I, I, uh, you could probably Google me somewhere. I think I was at an E3 conference one year where it said you'd never be able to download a game. You know, <laughs> the pipes will never be that big. You know, some really good forethought there. Um, so you're you ask me to prognosticate on, on the gaming industry. Doesn't. <laughs> are there, are there any trends that you've seen that, you know, uh, that make you incredibly excited about the next five years, for example, and maybe it's college think, esports I related. E-sports, or? I think the esports, I mean, that's what I'm excited about, you know, is, and I, that's, I, that was the most recent thing in this college esports. You know, I mean, I've been in a long time. It's hard to 
stay excited that long. Right. But I, 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 I'm not just saying that because I'm doing college esports, but I think esports is, we've just scratched the surface. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's, you know, you see it on, on ESPN now and you see, you see other people who aren't gamers or familiar with the industry. Like, you know, I have lots of friends, you know, my age and, and who don't know about esports, right. I have to explain it to them. I still have my people, my age, you know, calling me that they're, they're so concerned that their kid wants to be in the gaming business. You know, I have to talk them <laughs> off the ledge. And say, you know, it's, it's like, no, it's, I've been in it 20 years. You know, you can, it's a, it's a legit industry. You know, it's, 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 it's credible. You know, they could, there's all kinds of careers in, in the, in the industry. You know, it's, there's still so many people who think gamers are in the basement, you know, and which is wild because we're so close to it. Right. And we know how passionate people are and how popular it is. And now there's, you know, the sports celebrities and the musicians and everybody's into gaming now where before, you know, it wasn't that cool, you know, and and now they're asking, you know, publishing companies if how they can get in on, on, on these things earlier when we used to have to beg them, you know, now games are making them cool. Um, so I still think I, we still got a lot of growth uh, in us. And as, as, you know, our, our population gets older, it's going to even get more mainstream. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there'll be, you know, there's a lot of discussion this year about, you know, uh, uh, esports in the Olympics and things like that. You know, whoever thought the X game kind of sports would be in the Olympics, no one, but then, you know, this, the, they're the superstars of the Olympics now. And I, I think that we'll get there on esports too. So Eric, I'm um, sorry. I just, I have one follow up, Jimmy, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Um, uh, how far do you think we are away from, cause you mentioned, you alluded to, to the parent component, which is I think an interesting part of the college esports equation, right? How far away are we from parents of kids who are in college completely accepting the fact that college esports is a legitimate pursuit? when you're going to school, right? Where, or where parents are putting their kids in, in esports at a young age in the hopes that they will get a college scholarship for esports, right? Are we two years away, Eric? Are we 10 years? Are we five years? Like what's the timeline before we reach sort of total acceptance of esports at the college level? And I really mean at the parent level. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're five to 10. You know, I think, okay. I think it depends, you know, it always depends, you know, cause there's, there's more progressive and knowledgeable parents in some places than other, you know, others, but you know, I mean, at level next we're we're, that's one of the things that we're doing. We're elevating that awareness We're we're very proud of the fact that, you know, with Madden, you know, we talked about Madden earlier. Now several schools have given full scholarships to Madden players because <laughs> I saw them in our in our tournaments, Boise state, there's a Madden player who got a scholarship there, West Virginia, who just won the Madden player, Noah, he has a full ride to West Virginia. Now the, the professor, I mean, the college president did a, did a, has a tweet video out or tweeted a video of him, you know, talking about esports and how proud he is that, that Noah won the national championship for West Virginia. I mean, you know, that's great. And if more people, more parents see that, I think that they'll, uh, you know, be more apt to that because again, and, and 
one of the beauties about esports is we know it's it's more inclusive, right? Anybody can play esports. You don't have to be an, an athlete groomed from early on, you know, be a supreme being to to play at the college level or at any level. You can be tall, short, big, large, you know, any color, any gender, you know, you can do it and and you can play each other. So it's 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 I think it's that's that adds to its popularity too. So I think I think it's going to happen, you know, five to 10 years. I don't think it's going to happen real fast, but we're making great strides. And, and I'm proud of level next to be part of that too, you know, from awareness and, and opportunity and the, and the prize pools uh, that we're providing. Jimmy, sorry, I cut you off earlier. I no, that, that, answer. that was great. I, I'm happy to, to, to kind of wrap with that one. If you want to head into the cross exam or, I, I, I still have another question. I, I want to, I want to dig here. I, <laughs> there, uh, I, I find this fascinating yeah, because I think that I agree with you, Eric, that the, the, the scale of the opportunity with college esports is massive, right? Where uh, another area where I'm curious is what is the purpose of college esports, right? Like it, with traditional sports where, you know, we affectionately call meat sports here um, with traditional sports, you get, like colleges often not maybe not so much in some sports, but often the path to pro, right? You, you play in high school, you play in college, and then you get drafted to play in the pro leagues with esports, uh, I mean, what, what I see most often is usually, you know, when you're college age, you're sort of already past, not your prime, but right. Kids get, are getting recruited into Call of Duty League and Overwatch League and League of Legends at like 16 years old, right? They're not college age. Um, does is is there a future where college, the the purpose of college esports really is to be on this path to pro, or does it have another purpose? Is it scholarship? Is it just hobby? Is it does it tie into the curriculum? Like what what role does college play in that esports ecosystem as a whole in your mind? Yeah, Paul, I think it, I mean, it's all of the above, right? I mean, it's, there's, there, there's the scholastic side of it. You know, we talked about, you know, parents and their, and their kids getting into another, you know, the career of, of, of video games and esports provides one path there, you know, from the production standpoint, the marketing standpoint, uh, the player standpoint, the coaching standpoint. There's a lot of things are around that where um, you can you can you know get a career in esports. Uh, for example, Sheridan, the uh, person on my team, we both started the same day. Uh, she is an English major. She's she's she graduated uh, last December from Florida State as an English major, um, but she was the social media officer for the Florida State esports program. Now she's working at Learfield, and you know in in the gaming career. And it's something she's passionate about. And, you know, her folks are, her folks are thrilled. You know, they were, they were thinking English major games. <laughs> What's she going to do? <laughs> now she's got a job at Learfield, right? <laughs> so, but, um, you know, and then, and the, you know, there's varsity athletics, you know, there's in, and so there, there is a path to pro, I presume. Um, but I don't think that's I don't think that's what's going to make collegiate esports great. I think it's more that the inclusion of it, you know, it's a lot more people can play it. You can represent your school for a chance to win a national championship. 
You can, uh, you know, earn scholarships from it. You can earn uh, cash prizes from it. Uh, you know, the whole NIL uh, situation will 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 benefit esports gamers as well. So I think it's all of the above. To your point, it's not just varsity or or uh, you know, the, I guess just varsity. Um, Eric, that uh, that brings us to everyone's favorite new segment. We call this Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. Uh, and so what's going to happen is, is Jimmy's going to give you a, f- a handful of rapid-fire questions here, uh, digging a little bit more into who you are, Eric, as a person, as a gamer. Uh, Judge Jimmy, take it away. Thanks, Paul. All right, Eric, just a, a few quick ones here for you. All right, Eric, first question here. Um, let's see, what was your favorite video game uh, growing up playing or in the last 20 years? Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor. Sweet, sweet. I don't think we've gotten that one, Paul, have we? I don't think we have. Nice. Great game, though. Great game. That's what threw me off. I thought that was going to be your first question. And I was trying to figure out, like, was Medal of Honor? I guess it could have been adapted, but it wasn't. So I I, I couldn't get it out of my head. (laughs) No worries. Um, In that regard, you know, when when you're playing, when you're working hard, uh, just what's your go-to snack or drink? I, I, uh, I, I drink a lot of water, a lot of coffee, <laughs> a lot of beer. <laughs> lot of beer. I, I was going to say it started very healthy, Eric. <laughs> Depends on the time of day. <laughs> and how I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what the beer does for performance in, in esports, but you know. <laughs> it doesn't work. Don't try doesn't, that at home, kids. Don't try that at home. That's it. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually, I'm really interested to ask this next one, just because given your, your experience, I think in growing these communities, what's your social media platform of choice? One that you found not just the most personal enjoyment using, but also the most success in utilizing for your campaigns. Oh, for my marketing campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter. Nice. Twitter's number one now, but you know, I mean, it's evolved over, over time. Very, very interesting. Um, great. And let's, let's end with one more, uh, you know, Eric, you have so many students and, and, and college athletes and, and kids that are coming through your programs, your tournaments, your events. If you could go back to school or, or, or rather for any of them listening, uh, you know, what class field area of study would you recommend that they pursue to land a career in the gaming industry, not just esports, but really metaverse and gaming at large? engineering the 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 engineers are are charting their own path now software development dev engineers they can you know you know you help build the game you 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 help build the platforms you help build the systems you know everybody needs engineers nuts and bolts of it all yeah yeah all right well eric the prosecution rest thank you for 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 entertaining us there and back to you paul um, Eric, for our listeners, uh, if you want to be followed uh, or or Learfield or, you know, any of the other brands you've got under your umbrella, like where can people follow you, find out more, um, you know, what socials or, or what platforms? Level Next GG. Please follow us on Level Next GG. We've got some big announcements coming up next week, some big tournaments in the pipeline uh, with hundreds of thousands of dollars on the on on the line, as well as national championships for the colleges. 
Very cool. Um, and uh, anything, any area where people can find you maybe directly or, or follow you or what you're, what you're up to personally. LinkedIn. Go LinkedIn. to LinkedIn. Go. Uh, uh, look, it's a, well, I'm not, I'm not a business podcast. Social media. <laughs> I don't do a lot of, uh, posting. Our business hosting. podcast. And so yeah. a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are on LinkedIn. So, uh, Eric Hartness on LinkedIn, Eric, thank you so much for being on, on the podcast, Jimmy. Thank you as always, uh, for our listeners, guys, just a couple of things, make sure to follow business of esports everywhere on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, you name it, business of esports or busy sports on every single platform. Uh, sh- you know, leave a review on the podcast on Spotify or Google play or Apple podcasts, wherever you get the podcast, really appreciate that. And make sure show up for our Wednesday evening live stream. It's a lot of fun. We do a live show, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. It gets broadcast at literally every platform on the planet. Um, and the best part is we get to talk about gaming news live with you guys, with the fans, with our audience. And uh, I guarantee you, you will have fun. So that's Wednesday evening, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Jimmy, thank you. Eric, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, guys. And as always, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Esports podcast. Check us out at thebusinessofesports.com and on Twitter at BizEsports. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.